Hello and welcome to the Living Wholeheartedly podcast. My name is Heather Morris and I'm the General Secretary of the Methodist Church in Ireland. As a connection, as a church family, we're committed to living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world. In this podcast series, to which we hope you will subscribe, we're going to hear and tell stories. We're going to have honest conversations about what wholehearted Christian faith looks like today. A faith that is lived out in the real world every day. A faith that doesn't shy away from hard questions. A faith that's committed to working for change where there's injustice or poverty or lack of opportunities. Living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world. You're welcome to the Living Wholeheartedly podcast. to welcome Tom Wilson to uh, the Living Wholeheartedly podcast. Thanks, Tom, for joining us today as we think together about what living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world looks like. Tom's going to be the lay leader of the Methodist Church in Ireland uh, from conference uh, next month now, so coming very quickly. quickly. Uh, Tom, tell us a bit about yourself, um, where you grew up, what your background is, and some of the story of your journey with Jesus. Very fortunately, I was brought up in uh, a good Methodist Christian home. Uh, both parents were, were Christians. Both parents brought me to church. Both parents brought me to Sunday school. They were both teachers. Uh, I grew up in Crumlin Road. Uh, I felt the call to follow Jesus one Saturday night at a Grosvenor Hall film service. Uh, it was their anniversary weekend and they had William Sangster over from London and he made an appeal and I stuck to my seat. And all the next week I wished I had gone forward. So I went the following Saturday, didn't know what the film was, but was determined that if an appeal was made, I would go forward. And it was the late Eric Gallagher and the late Richard Greenwood were there on the Saturday night and they made an appeal and I went forward and committed my life to Christ. And there's a lovely extra bit to that in that it was Eric Gallagher led me to Christ, but it was his father, R.H. Gallagher, who baptised me in Thomas Street Methodist Wonderful. way years ago. So I came back, was continuing to be a member of Crumlin Road. Uh, then later when, when I left Crumlin Road, I joined White Abbey, uh, and I'm there worshipping there. I'm treasure there, uh, help with leading the praise, and uh, connectionally, I've been involved in uh, the Board of Education, uh, 10 wonderful years in the Home Mission Department, uh, involved with local preachers, and currently the Northeastern District Lay Leader. Very good. Uh, that's that side of it. Uh, professionally, uh, I've been in education all my life. Okay. Uh, I started off as a volunteer teacher in Tanzania in uh, a boys secondary school and came back and had then spent the rest of my time in primary school in three of the local primary schools in Newton Abbey the last one of which was Abbas Cross Primary School where I was principal Uh, 
I married to Louise. Uh, when we got married, we, we had a, a blended family uh, of four children, three of from my first marriage, and Jordan came with Louise. Uh, sadly, David died nine years ago now. Uh, our children have grown, left home, and we now have three grandchildren. Lovely. Susanna will be 21 this year, and Oliver is nine, and Imogen is eight. Wonderful. So lots of different strands coming together in terms of in terms of your life. Yeah. Take me back to Methodism and we'll come to the other bits in a minute. So growing up in Methodism, what keeps you Methodist? I suppose I have been grounded in it. Uh, I had a conversation with someone who said, if I wasn't a Methodist, I would want to be one. And I thought, that's lovely. Uh, I can remember a conversation my father had with two French girls. We were on holiday and we were only children. Uh, and they were Roman Catholic girls, but came uh, and stayed with us after the holiday. Uh, and we took them to the, the local, we didn't take them, but we showed them where the local Roman Catholic chapel was. And uh, they went and visited that and came back. And they said it's slightly different from what we would be experiencing at home in France. Uh, and through the conversation, they said, but if I wasn't a Roman Catholic, I would want to be one. And I thought, well, Methodism, yes. I like the social aspect of it. Uh, I like the connectional aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and growing up, I went to the Irish Methodist summer school that was in uh, Mourne Grange many, many years ago. Uh, I've been involved in the Light Witness movement. And just this whole idea of connection that we're together. Uh, mm-hmm. That appeals to me very much. Very good. Thank you. And help me, as we, we go through these podcasts, we're thinking about what living wholeheartedly looks like and means. So hearing about what it is to be involved in education all of your life and and what did what did living wholeheartedly as a Christian look like? I'm wondering, were there times when it would have been easier not to be a Christian as a head teacher? Were there struggles? Or was that always a positive uh, in your career? I think it was always a positive. Uh, I've always tried to be to live wholeheartedly, and if I do, it's almost subconsciously. Okay. That, uh, but there have been occasions in school. I can remember on one occasion, we had uh, a pupil who who died, killed in a car accident, uh, and the mother came in and I spoke with her in in, in my office, and as a result of that. She asked me would I speak at the boy's funeral. Uh, there were other occasions when I had parents in and I sensed there was something spiritually not right in the home. Uh, on one occasion, one mother knew it wasn't right, so I was able to contact uh, a Methodist minister and we visited the home and got rid of the evil influence that was there. Uh, I couldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to do that if I hadn't been a Christian. Mm-hmm. Methodist doesn't come into it, I was just being a Christian, wouldn't have come into it. So there have been occasions where, yes, my Christian faith uh, has just led me in the right direction and told, told me what to do. Good, thank you. Uh, living wholeheartedly. There are occasions when it, it's much easier than others. Mm. Uh, I can think of two. We have a, I'm a member of our, our local uh, home study group. And we've been going for over 25 years. So when we do get together, it, it's straight in, no holes barred. 
uh, all confidences are shared and we know they'll be kept. Mm -hmm. And we have prayer concerns that we pray for each other uh, regularly. Uh, I know my group were praying for me today coming here. Uh, And another occasion is involved in the lay witness movement. When you're involved for 48 hours solely with the church and the team, uh, and you're wholeheartedly just living for Christ. You know the Holy Spirit's there, and, and often you see the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. Tell us about that, Tom. I'm thinking about lay witness, and you mentioned 10 years with Home Mission. Can you tell us times when you saw the Holy Spirit at work in, in people's lives? Right. Uh I can remember on one occasion, uh, we had just arrived at a church and the team, the first meal, we sat down, we split up, we sat uh, in, in various parts of the, of the hall and one member of the team sat down but with an elderly gentleman, a grandfather, who was sharing that his daughter-in-law had just given birth to a baby, dead baby, stillborn. And... Uh, and didn't that same experience happen to the team member? How should she sit down beside that man? And over the course of the weekend, the couple came, were prayed with, and were able to get on with their lives. And there are countless other exercises. I can remember experiences. Uh, I can remember again on another occasion where I had an elderly mother who was had an alcoholic son and had difficulty supporting the child. He was was an adult, but supporting her, him. And wanted to support him, wanted to give him money when he asked for it, and yet knew where the money was going. And this thought came to me, why don't you offer the money to God first and ask him to take the money and have it used the way he wants? and then give it to your son. And just the the look of relief on her face knew that it was God who had given me those words. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing living wholeheartedly lived in the day-to-day of the school, in just those encounters that you could say are chance encounters, but are definitely not. And in those conversations where where God guides. And, And... it struck me strongly when you talked about a blended family. So when you and Louise got married, I'm sure that's not easy in terms of blended family and building family together. What does living wholeheartedly look like in the practicalities of, of building a family unit? My children were teenagers. Right. I think Louise needs to answer that question. <laughs> but uh, she struggled. But God was with us through it all. And we've come through the other side. And uh, now we're, we're a wonderful family. Absolutely. And uh, the difficulties, we look at them and we can smile at them now. Yes. Very difficult at the time. I'm sure. But with God, through all that, we have come out the other end. That's it. Yeah. And it is the practicality of that, isn't it? It's the practicality yeah. of it, yeah. taking it day by day and uh, trying to work it out together, not knowing the best way forward, just hoping that God is going to lead us uh, and the decisions we take are the right ones. Mm-hmm. But I think if we... If we follow closely to Jesus, then we'll not go too far wrong. I think it's the closer we are to him, the more wholeheartedly we will live. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. 
We'll move on to Methodism more broadly then and the role of lay leader, which you're coming into. Um, I'll ask you about what that looks like in a minute. But in Methodism and, and across the church, we, we emphasise strongly that ministry belongs to everybody, that it's not just the person who has the collar or who stands at the front uh, who's responsible uh, for that. How does, how does that work out for you and your understanding of lay and ordained as uh, working together? Our churches wouldn't function without lay folk. Yeah. Uh, before, before I came here, I, I sat in the NYC office and the amount of work that they do for our young folk uh, for the leaders of young folk, both paid and voluntarily. Uh, the amount of work goes on in our church uh, by professionals, accountants, architects, those with business acumen who offer their skills on a voluntary basis through the work of all our committees. The church, Methodist Church, none of the churches would function without them. So we do need each other mm-hmm. and we do work well together. Uh, those who, who feel called to preach, we have a, an excellent local preachers organisation, movement, whatever you wish to call it. Uh, and I know many of our churches uh, could not function without local preachers. That's right. uh, and I've heard of some local preachers who are actually preaching every Sunday because other services would not be covered if they didn't. Mm-hmm. Sadly, in parts of our country, there are some local preachers who are only used as a, as a fill-in, as a replacement or on holiday relief. Mm-hmm. or on Local Preachers Sunday. But generally speaking, I think our local preachers are needed. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you're coming then to this important role of, as lay leader, which you'll hold for uh, two years. Tell us, what, what does that role involve? <laughs> I'm, I'm about to find out, I think. <laughs> uh, there's a representative role, uh, and David, the incoming president, and I have had a number of conversations, and we've agreed that where possible, we will do things together. We'll work as a team. Uh, what it will involve, I- I'm not sure. I I can remember a previous lay leader, Linda Neelands, when she was asked, how did she see the role? Uh, she saw it as putting on a cloak which is tailored to suit you. Very good. Uh, and and I, I like that description. Uh, each lay leader will have different gifts and abilities, mm-hmm. and I think the role will be tailored by the lay leader to suit their gifts and abilities. Very good. So how it will change day by day, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you hope from it? The right answer is that I would see all our Methodist people uh, living wholeheartedly <laughs> and transformed, transforming the world that passes outside the doors of their buildings, yes. Uh, I have a, a very dear friend in our own congregation in White Abbey, a very spiritual lady, lady uh, who, when asked to pray for events, gets pictures. Mm-hmm. And I have asked her to pray for me in my two years. And whether the pictures are prophetic or whether for there for me to set an agenda I don't know but uh, there will be reconciliation I I hope to see restoration I I hope to see a lot of fruit being born Uh, and and really what I would like to see is David and I travel together the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit being evident those are my hopes that's wonderful 
that those words and that those pictures that that she has given you are very powerful uh, reconciliation restoration seeing the holy spirit at work among methodists and and far beyond uh, restoration is so important at this time as we emerge from covid and push into what what living wholeheartedly i suppose looks like in this new season do you have ideas around what reconciliation, restoration might begin to look like in our local churches? The way, way I was interpreting the pictures would be that the reconciliation would be between humans and God. Lovely. Uh, the restoration would be those who perhaps through COVID have lessened their contact with church okay. and that contact with fellow Christians would be restored. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe because they haven't had collective worship, maybe their relationship with God has diminished a little bit and maybe that relationship would be restored. Lovely. Those were my interpretations. I didn't want to give the actual pictures, but those were my interpretations of what the pictures were. Wonderful. And, and that's, what, that's how I see it. Very good. Very good. It is. It's a powerful thing to, to push into and to think about uh, at this yes. season in the life of the church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and more broadly, Tom, as you think about the Methodist Church in Ireland, you've been part of this, uh, part of the church for a lifetime. And I know you love it. And I call to this role. What are your hopes and what are your fears as well? The hopes I've answered in, in, in a previous question. The fears that people, having moved away from church, realise that perhaps they weren't totally connected in the first place, okay. that they weren't totally connected to God, and they felt content without him. Uh, I, I would hope that the relationship with God, getting back to, would be restored again. And with David and I visiting, I know... Previously, there hasn't been as many visits because of COVID. But with the, the relaxation of those precautions, people call them restrictions, which is sort of a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Let's call them precautions. With the easing of those, maybe there will be greater opportunity uh, to get out and to visit people. Uh, we have ideas who we might visit as well. Great. Great. And I think there's something very special about the two of you so committed to exercising these roles in this ministry together. I think together. so. I mean, I was quite happy. David sort of suggested it and I thought, yes, yeah. oh, very happy to do that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and being involved in home missions with ten year, for 10 years with, with Desbane, it would be lovely to visit some of those places again throughout the whole of the island. Absolutely. And it picks up something that you said right at the beginning about how together is an important word for you. Uh, and it reflects on who we are as a connection that we journey through this time together, together. supporting each other. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for the conversation uh, today. Uh, it has been so good for you to spend time in this chat and as we uh, encourage each other. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. May I pray as oh, we finish? Please, please. Loving God, we are so thankful to you for your goodness, for your love, for your faithfulness. Thank you for the privilege of journeying with brothers and sisters in faith, that we journey together as we follow you. 
and thank you for the wonder and the truth that you journey with us, that you, living Lord Jesus, in the power of your spirit, choose to be with your people together. So loving God, once again, we give ourselves into your hands and pray that you would use us for your glory and that all who belong to you would live wholeheartedly as your followers and that in the power of your spirit the world might be transformed and as we've chatted to Tom we pray for transformation in education we're so thankful to you for teachers and for all who work in schools we pray for a world where all have opportunity for excellent education where all children can flourish we surrender ourselves this world that you love into your hands praying in the name of Jesus Amen Thank you Tom and thank you to all who have uh, listened to or watched this podcast uh, there will be many more to come as we continue to think uh, about what living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world looks like in the practical daily reality of day-to-day life. So please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get it wherever you uh, normally access your podcasts. And remember too uh, that this video is available on YouTube.